Hey there, it's me, your money, and welcome to Tandia Talks Money. They say money talks, and it is true, I do. And I also like to work hard. They say it builds character, but it also builds TFSAs and RRSPs, which is why every week Tandia will share new ideas, tips, and wisdom from Tandia's finest to help you get to where you want to go. You know, with a little help from me, of course. Like, who else? Well, we made it through Blue Monday and survived another week in January. I think this deserves some applause. This week, we're going to dig a little deeper. There is a hint into our relationship with money and our guest speaker, whom we are so thrilled to have on, Christina Crow. Welcome to Tandia Talks Money, Christina. Thank you. She is a Canadian registered psychotherapist, an entrepreneur, and relentless mental health advocate. Christina founded Dig a Little Deeper in 2015, which has grown into modern self-managed group practice with 15 other psychotherapists and counselors. Dig a Little Deeper is headquartered in Caledon, Ontario, with other Ontario locations and global virtual services. Christina owns Dig Deeper Coaching, providing consulting and training for business leaders and teams looking to increase their competitive edge with behavioral science. Christina has been interviewed by local news outlets and podcasts, writes for the Dig Deeper blog, and for professional association websites. Christina has served in the past as a board member for OAMHP and currently is on the advocacy board committee for CADRA, Canadian ADHD Resource Alliance. Christina launched Dig Deeper Merch in 2021 to support the free therapy program Dig a Little Deeper offers to the most vulnerable and hard hit in their community by the COVID-19 pandemic. Christina maintains her own private practice and provides clinical supervision to graduate counseling interns and other therapists. Christina is also creator of DIY ADHD, a self-paced online course for individuals or families with a new diagnosis of ADHD. Christina's creative outlets are many, but most recently include making entertaining and educational TikTok videos about ADHD and the most misunderstood conditions in mental health. Believe me when I say Christina makes talking about your mental health so relatable and so easy to understand. So don't you worry. We will be linking all the ways, all the great things she's doing and how you can connect with her and her team in our show notes, because we feel mental health is an important part of your journey and life, as well as your financial journey. Like most, if you're worried about money, you're not alone. Like any other source of stress, financial problems can take a huge toll on your mental and physical health, your relationships, your overall quality of life. It can impact sleep, energy levels, cause anxiety, self-esteem issues. The list could be endless on how many ways you may be affected. It's a constant work in progress. And we have said many, many times before, change does not happen overnight. So we're both hoping today that we can help open up this conversation for you, direct you to the right places for you to seek help, and most importantly, let you know that you're not alone no matter how impossible your situation may seem right now. So let's dive in and start to dig a little deeper. I really actually love how seamless I'm able to integrate your business name into this episode. (laughs) I thought we could start off uh, by chatting a bit more about some common themes that you maybe see when it comes to the link between finances and mental health. I know 
I can recognize in myself big time the difference between, you know, when money is flowing, it's much easier. My mental health is much happier versus when it's not. And when maybe when things are a little bit tight, you know, first week in January and I had to replace a part in my oven because it didn't Mm. work. So that was $800 I was not expecting to spend. And let me tell you, that took a toll on my mental health first week of January after Christmas. Yeah, you're right. So, (laughs) right, right. It's, you know, those unexpected costs, they make a big difference. So maybe we can start by talking about how can the stress of finances like affect your mental health, but is it vice versa as well? Can your mental health contribute to maybe your poor financial health? For sure. So so you're right that it's like a vicious cycle between the two. Academically, we'd say it's a bi-directional relationship, meaning there's no chicken or egg, right? So there's there's symptoms that you can experience when you have a symptomatic mental health condition because, you know, it ebbs and flows. Um, usually things are worse when you're under more stress. And then you're more likely to forget to pay bills or not pay attention to things or lose things that make you have to purchase them again or that list can go on and on. And then there's also times when, you know, you lose a job and that makes you like worry and feel badly about yourself or you could be in a toxic workplace situation that you feel like you have to stay, which harms your mental health, but you stay because you need the money. And then there's a cycle that goes on there as well. And it can be really challenging to unearth yourself, no matter which which way it's going, for sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I could totally see how people feel like they're, we mentioned this before we started recording, but how people feel like they're almost embarrassed to go to their financial institution because they don't want to admit that, you know, I am struggling. I don't Mm. know how to pay my bills. I don't know where I'm going to get my money from. And I don't think they're actually thinking about what caused them to be in this cycle. And some people in the past, in the branch and hearing people talk and explain their financial situation, they're, they're talking about more emotional things versus, you know, They think there's like a magic trick that I'm going to have. I I just need to make more money and that will make my life better versus understanding why they're having a hard time managing that money. Is it like you said, like, you know, your your stressors, are you forgetting that you had something or did you lose something and now that's causing you to spend extra or are you in a workplace environment where you're not really thriving or a relationship where you are not open about money with your partner and how that can cause stress. So I think it's an important point to make to everybody listening. You know, there's a lot of other factors that go into it versus just, you know, how much you're making and how much debt you have or how much spending you're doing why are you spending the way you spend i did a podcast uh at the beginning of the fall and it was like shopaholics anonymous and i (laughs) i know this in myself and i know that that instant gratification makes me feel better so i realize that about myself (laughs) Yeah. yeah exactly add to cart i will buy this i will buy this um and i totally recognize that in myself this was years ago i recognized that so I mentioned in that that podcast, but my little loophole is I buy things where I can return them. So I get that instant like, oh, yes, okay, I feel better. But then I come home and have that regret. You just let it sit in your cart 
fill your cart, exactly. but don't hit checkout exactly. for like 36 hours. And then if you still want it 36 hours later, it's still in your cart in most places, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But being more mindful about it. Yeah. I mean, if you're like in your, you know, 20s or 30s or 40s and you find yourself in a frustrating, you know, can't get ahead of the game situation, to your point, Carla, like there's things that you could be doing to set yourself up for success better, like little things every day from a mental health perspective. That requires what we call executive function, which is the ability to plan in advance, to anticipate things happening in the future that haven't happened Mm -hmm. yet, to chunk things out by quarter, to be able to break down a big task like saving for a down payment or paying off a credit line or saving for your wedding into smaller manageable chunks that seem doable. And the ability to have really good executive function can be impaired from neurodevelopmental disorders like ADHD. But our executive function is actually like pretty crappy when we're anxious or when we're depressed mm-hmm. or when we've experienced, you know, repeated traumas as well. So lots of different things mm-hmm. affect our ability to do that. And then, you know, what did we learn about managing money from our parents? You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. not a, I don't know if a lot of parents that, that back in the day actively taught their kids about money. And we're open about mm-hmm. money and how to how to plan for money. And here's how much money mom and dad make. And we want to buy that thing. We want to have a cottage. We want to take a vacation. You guys want to play hockey. This is how much money it costs. And here's mm-hmm. what we could do with that money. But we're choosing to do this. And, and to be able to have open conversations with kids about how to make decisions about what you spend your money on. And so when you don't have those conversations with your kids, because people have can feel like it's weird, right? Like to do that, especially if you didn't grow up with it, then you kind of find yourself independent in your 20s, maybe with your first job after school and you've got money now and you've got to figure it out all on your own, like reinventing the wheel and and people it's can get so into, it, it's just, it's it's delayed. There's a big difference between starting your RSP when you're 19 and starting it when you're 35. And the, the difference in those two scenarios could sometimes simply be, by luck, I happened to hear someone who told me to buy this book and I learned everything I know about money from that book. But I don't know where I'd be if I never read that book because no one in my life talked to me about money. And it was totally random, right? Which is what happened to me. <laughs> I have seen big time the difference uh, between that, especially like in my own personal life, right? So my parents were always very open about, well, my mom at least. Uh, very open about money. And, you know, I, well, I do kind of joke sometimes because she used to say, and then I find myself saying this to my kids, which I know is not the most appropriate response, but just to <laughs> make them quiet at five years old when they ask me for 75 candies, I say, we don't have money, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is not. I could the give case, you a better strategy if you'd like. <laughs> right? yeah, I think, I think I need one. Yeah. But my mom was always very open. My mom always told us, you know, this is, this is where the money comes from. This is how much we make. This is this is where we're paying. Like you just said, like I'm paying for hockey and I'm paying for this. It's okay to say you're prioritizing it on something else for the absolutely, family. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas my husband's side, they never talked about money. Mm-hmm. Everything was very quiet. And I mean, he's an excellent saver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do find when it comes to, you know, 
life situations of, you know, paying for bills and paying for groceries and paying for, you know, everyday life essentials. He really has no concept of the cost of these things. So it's it is a huge difference between us. And it's something that we've both realized is important to teach our kids. Right. So, yes, I know the we don't have money to just quick, easy fix, be quiet, little five year olds asking me for toys every five minutes. But you have to understand how that that will play into their mindset. Right. They will think like we don't have money. That might stress them out and worry them. Yeah. You could say we're choosing this week to spend our money on something else. You know that, you know, that meal you're having. That's what mommy spent her money on this week, right? Exactly. You know how it's warm so in here and understand. it's freezing outside. Yeah. Hydro costs That's money. That's what mommy spent their money on. Yeah. But I've seen it in so many friends, right? They don't, they don't know like the cost of living or what you're paying for. Like I had a friend that didn't know that you had to pay to heat your house. Like that's, mm. that was alarming to me, like especially being in the financial oh, yeah. world and yeah. having an adult say that back to me. But there are individuals that don't understand the concepts yet. Yeah. So. And, and when parents don't put that on their kids, I mean, it comes from a good place. You're like, I don't want my kids to worry about that stuff. I want them to be taken care of. Exactly. And maybe it's because they didn't have that security growing up. But it's a bit of an overcorrection, right? Because it's kind of like, yeah, we haven't actually prepared them for the real world in, in being protective and in being that buffer, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding that what costs money and why you're choosing different things. And mm-hmm. it's okay to it's okay to be able to buy the things that you want to buy, but also you have to think about the necessities and how you manage between the two. Cause I always I always joke, like you can't take your money with you when you die. So you want to be able to mm-hmm. properly know how to spend it when you're alive and well and yeah. being able to experience things with your family and yeah. All while making sure your necessities are taken care of. So, well, I mean, tying the mental health piece into what you just said, Carla, like it's that's like a values based way of looking at your life. Right. So being transparent sounds like an important value to you. Being financially responsible is important value to you're in banking. So that lines up. Right. <laughs> but but for yeah. some people. That it doesn't mean they don't care about it if they say that's not their value. It just means there's other things that they value more, right? Mm-hmm. And when two people mm-hmm. get married, being able to like speak in that language to to present yourself and what you think is important and how you think decisions should be made is so important. So you're not, you know, blindsided five years in <laughs> with I yeah. never knew you felt that way. And it's just because it wasn't a conversation that we had, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Being able to know that you you want to do it this way because it's important to you, but it's it's OK if someone does it a different way, mm-hmm. you know, because there's more than one way to get to the the end goal. My mom is like my beacon of uh, sound advice, I would say. She has these all these old sayings that I essentially probably came from my grandmother, too, but she always ingrained in us uh you know like i we have our way of doing things as a family and your spouse is going to have mm-hmm. their way of doing things from your family but you need to create your own way together, together. so that yep. it's not one-sided you're mm-hmm. not demanding that you know somebody conforms to your side but you're also you're, you're creating a way together and i think that your finances uh play a huge part in that because 
you know, your finances touch every point of your life, right? So it's, you know, what do you prioritize? Do you want to, I know I'm, at the time I made fun of it, but we had to take like a marriage course before we got married. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's great. More people should And it that. was, it was actually ended up being the best thing because it forced us to have these conversations. You know, what are our financial goals? Like both of us want to own a condo in Florida one day and we want a pool and things that are um, important to us to experience in life. Like we're both on our page. So I think it's important to have these conversations because, you know, your, your different aspects of your mental health, I do truly believe affect how you live out every day Mm -hmm. and, you know, your mood, your anxiety around things. Like if you have anxiety around money, those are things you need to talk about with, with your spouse, with your partner, with a roommate, with whoever you're kind of sharing your life with. So, or even noticing that you have anxiety about it. Right. Cause I think a lot of people would acknowledge that they either do or don't like talking about money or they avoid it, but they don't necessarily haven't connected that the reason they're avoiding it is because it's a scary topic or they're afraid to seem like they don't know something they think they should know. Like all their friends have a certain level of knowledge and they don't, so they stay quiet about it. Or they're not sure where to find the right information. Or maybe growing up, their parents fought a lot about money. And so they've learned instinctively that it's like a scary subject. Right. And, and they haven't even thought too much about what, what they value and what's important to them. It, it's great that you can take a course and identify goals. And then it's like the next step is like, how do we reach the goal? So what do we have to do in our day to day life to make that goal of putting a down payment on a condo in Florida, say in 10 years, come true? I really liked that point that you made, you know, taking your bigger goals and breaking them down. We've talked about that many times. And I think that is like one of the biggest financial concepts for people to understand is like, yes, it may seem impossible that especially these days, you know, younger generation, how am I going to ever buy a house? Like, right. Like, how am I going to do that in this market? So, yeah, I feel that I can't imagine. (laughs) I worry how my kids are going to buy a house one day. Yeah. But I mean, but then life gets in the way. Right. So then we we all know to some extent what to do. The question becomes, why don't we do it? Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we being consistent? Right. Which is that's the thing that confounds people with ADHD is the consistency piece. So sometimes they can do it. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're sharp and cooking with gas. But other times they're not. And they there's really no rhyme or reason that they can put their finger on as to what's getting in the way. Why is life suddenly gone sideways again? Right. That's like the ADHD crowd. And then the other where it's like anxiety, depression, you get derailed from things when you're anxious, but you're not anxious all the time. So when you're not anxious, you kind of feel fine and you can remember to do things and you do remember to book your dental appointment and you do remember to do things. So then when you when you think about yourself as a whole, it might be a barrier in some ways to getting help because you don't really identify with someone having a quote unquote mental illness. So like mental illness can can be hard sometimes because it's normal right now for everyone to be a bit anxious and a bit agitated and a bit sad because of everything that's going on in the world, right? And the and the question becomes how do you keep that from derailing you for too long and derailing you from long-term things and from trying to find small ways day to day to enjoy your life despite the pressures. Do you have some 
like tips that you could share on how you can kind of keep the consistency, how you can recognize these things in yourself, or, you know, maybe some tactics that you can use to help. Cause I totally agree with that statement. I think everyone is feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And I think everybody's just at their breaking point. So if you are dealing with something that is causing extra anxiety and extra stress in your life, what are some, I know like we've talked about like on the podcast and with our members, you know, breaking down goals and doing those small steps and recognizing and writing goals and making sure that you have that clearer picture for yourself so that you can kind of keep yourself accountable. But I would love to get your perspective on other things that they could be doing or you could be doing or I could be doing. Yeah. I mean, so I have kind of a two part answer to that. So the the first part in terms of like tactics, right, individual tactics and strategies that people use. So that's going to be different for everybody. So there's no one thing that works for everybody. Some people are really visual. Some people are audio. Some people need to see a calendar and a spreadsheet in front of them. Some people need to have a, a buddy hold them accountable and be accountable to another like warm body, right? Another person that's going to help them out. So, so really, as you're adulting, quote unquote, and figuring out who you are, everyone's brain works a little bit differently. And it's really on us to figure out for ourselves what works for us. If you can reflect back to a time in your life that you were performing at your best, right? Where you felt good, you felt healthy, you felt in your game, you felt in your life, you felt like you had agency. It's not only what are the things were you doing that contributed to that, but what were the external circumstances in your life? What was the level of stress? How often were you getting out? And then what were your relationships like? So those are all the variables that impact how we all feel every day. So that that's like everyone can do their own individual reflection on that because then the idea is like, well, it's probably not like that now. So what can we do to get back there, right, to get back to that kind of level of functioning? The second thing, though, that applies to all humans is no one is supposed to do this alone. And we're not wired as humans to cope alone. The myth that's out there, even from a relationship point of view, that you're supposed to fix yourself first before you get into a relationship is total nonsense. That doesn't work. because because loneliness doesn't fix anything. We need to be connected to each other. So talking to people that you trust, talking to people who can help you, who've helped you in the past, is the most important part to feeling a little bit better every day. And that's like just day-to-day stuff. When it comes to your money, if like, like money and work and all of those things are problems, reaching out and talking to somebody who does money well from your perspective whoever that is in your life, and saying, hey, I need to pick your brain. Hey, I, I need to get a handle on this. Hey, I need some support. And whether that's your financial planner, your banker, somebody that you trust that you've made a relationship with at the bank, or somebody in your life, somebody at work, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, your cool aunt, whatever, ask for 10 minutes of their time to say, I need you to point me in the right direction. You know, But connecting with another human that you trust is automatically going to make you feel better. Yeah, I think that's well, I joke all the time that everybody needs to find their banking BFF. So whoever that is. So obviously, we're trying to be your banking BFF, but you have to find somebody that you feel comfortable with. You know, I really like the part that you said 
to reflect back and think of like, when was I my happiest? When did I feel great? And what were my surroundings? And you, I never looked at it that way. You think like, oh, I need to do this and this and this. This will make me feel better. But to stop and reflect back and think, what were other contributing factors? Was yeah. I happier in another job? Was I happier in a different relationship? Did I have the right people in my life? And I think, I hope a lot of people over COVID have reflected a lot. I think we've had a lot of time to reflect. Uh, I joke that I don't know if it's COVID or that I have three kids under five, but I feel like my, (laughs) right? I'll already just say it's probably that. Um, Right? (laughs) I guess my threshold, I guess, for things has diminished. Um, And I've made it a priority in my life to surround myself with people who will you know, encourage me, uh, lift me up, not bring the toxicness and bring me down relationship wise. Because I do think that everybody, again, is maybe on the brink of like breakdowns right now. But I think adding in that extra stress and not having the right people to talk to and connect with just keeps that cycle going. So I really love that. And I do, I don't, I can't express any further to our audience that it is important to find somebody you trust about money and somebody you feel comfortable to lay your cards out on the table and say, listen, I need help. Like I'm drowning Mm -hmm. in debt or I don't know where to start. And I, I'm stressing that my kids are not going to have an education because I'm not going to be able to save. So no, you should not be at an institution or at a individual across from you that is going to judge you you should be somewhere where you feel comfortable and I think the same goes when you're talking about your mental health I know I feel better talking to people about things when I internalize something it eats away at me right so I I'm also somebody that wears my emotions on my sleeve so you're gonna know if I'm happy or sad or mad or gonna like terrorize the world it's all up front so uh I think the reflection is a huge piece to it. So I really like that. Well, I'm glad that was helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things that prevent people, I guess, from having those conversations. And I, you know, I guess if there was only one message, it might be, it's okay if you didn't grow up talking about money. And if you feel like you want to learn a little bit before you go talk to somebody, there's so many great money books out there that are accessible and plain. Go to chapters and get a coffee and grab the book on the shelf and go sit in the back and flip through it like read it there's so many ways to get free great information out there and you know it's never too late to start doing things differently it's never too late to do things like automate your finances like automate 25 bucks a week to another account so that by the time christmas comes that's like 1500 bucks or something like that 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 didn't take much sweat off your back and you don't have to worry about when Christmas comes, when you have a young family, that all of a sudden now you got to pull money out of the regular budget. So there's so many things you can do along the way. Like with, with your kids, they're a little young, but at some point that every time you go someplace, they want to buy stuff or they want you to buy stuff that grates on the nerves. Like we have three and when they were little early, we got them all their own bank cards. And we said, you're going to get an allowance and here's your chore list. And it was equitable. So it was based on their age and the responsibilities they had. And then every time we went to the store and they wanted something, I'm like, beauty, here's your debit card. Knock your socks off. And then they learn quickly 
They reveal themselves. Who's the spender? Who's the saver? Who's in the middle? We had three, so we have a mix. It's so true. And teaching them to be responsible for their own money. I think the youngest was, I think they were like five to seven, actually, when we started that, or maybe six to eight type of thing, six to nine when we started that immediately stopped bugging us and they felt empowered though they knew they had agency and it wasn't just mom and dad saying no it was we were saying you have a choice and here's what you can do and here's your guardrail so forced them to learn how to think critically like early right Mm -hmm. yeah we've done the same we uh just recently actually this past summer they again it was just getting to the point like every time I want this I want this I want this and sometimes yes I would cave and buy them something but it was just getting to the point to it was bothering me because I was trying to teach them like just because you're going out doesn't mean you have to buy something every time we took their money from their piggy bank like we took the money they had saved we put in little Ziploc bags we explained how much it was what they needed to look for on the shelf and they were able to, again, make that decision. And I saw my son was like, maybe I'm going to be a little bit more mindful about what I'm going to buy because I can't buy what I want, but I don't want to spend it. So right. it really showed them. And I did the same thing around Christmas. Like we took, we gave them a budget of $10 each. We went to the store with each of them and said, you know, you're buying your sibling a gift and this is how much you have to spend. So not only teaching them mm-hmm. Again, like this is how much you have. This is what you can buy, but also how important it is to give to others that it's not always just about buying yourself something. So I think these little these little things and these little tactics will one hopefully open up the conversation in our house and make it a little bit more open when it comes to finances so that they do understand. And it allows them to have that agency, like you mentioned, like they have that autonomy to make those decisions. So it helps them grasp things a little bit easier, I think, going forward. And with, I think with all decision making, right, it has them stop and think twice, like maybe, maybe I don't want this, or maybe I do. And why, why should I spend my money on it? So that's awesome that you guys are doing that with them already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I throw in the, we can't buy that because we have no money, but uh, (laughs) we're going to hopefully learn from that. After I said it, I thought, oh my God, he's going to go to school. He's going to tell his teacher. The teacher's probably going to be like, what's going on in the Ricci household? (laughs) No, you could you could like pin their little Ziploc bag with cash to a little bulletin board in their room. So then they can keep keep track of their ongoing amount. And so then, you know, if you're home, it's kind of like go check your cash bag and see what's in there. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because they recently said their birth. Christmas obviously just happened. Their birthday is coming up. Mm. They already have a list going of what they want. And my son was like, oh, maybe I should go check my piggy bank. I'm like, oh, maybe you should. So it was a good, good mom win that he reflected back and thought, oh, I do have money there. So it is. And putting yourself in the space as a parent where you have the energy to even do that, which right now probably is hard, you know, online school and everything that's happening and economic pressures and everything. And so You know, you mentioned kind of like feeling a bit like, uh, I don't remember exactly how you put it, but I'll put it for how I feel. I think the similar sentiment. I'm a little more irritable than usual. I'm I'm quicker to snap. I'm a little bit more short with with everybody, you know, in my family. And, And that's just kind of normal right now. But I also know that means I need to drink more water and put myself to bed sooner and scroll on my phone less 
no more doom scrolling. Like, so when you notice the things that are derailing your life, there's controllables and there's uncontrollables. There's always going to be things we can't control. And focusing on the things we can control, which is about how we're just like managing our human body, is like a really important part to just, we need sleep. We need rest. We need a break. This is not the time to worry about being super mom, who's also a teacher and working and all of those kinds of things. It's just, there's going to be a time and place for that. And right now it's not it. Right. So being able to acknowledge our own humanity, provide comfort to each other and ask for comfort. Like I've trained my kids or one of them in particular to say, instead of fussing when he needs my attention to say, mommy, I need some TLC. He comes to me and he says, mommy, I need some TLC. And I'm like, oh my God, baby, come here. Right. And so we, we can just identify like when I'm feeling cranky, actually all I need is a hug and that makes everything feel better. Right. But, but giving your kids the language to talk about that is an important skill that translates to then, well, I'm nervous about money. So then they have the language to talk about that. I need, I need to find out how to deal with this. How am I going to do that? Okay, let's sit down and work it out together. Here's what it looks like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, it's such easy, easy things to do. Like they're easy wins when you stop and reflect. It's not, you know, having to sit through eight eight hours of therapy a week. It's just recognizing in yourself, you know, this is what, this is what I need. Like, I just need, it's funny. You mentioned the water last night as I went to bed again, same. I'm a little bit more irritable. I, I put my kids to bed. I snap and then I regret it. And I'm like, why did I do that? They just, they just needed a little bit of time for me, but I needed a little bit of time for myself. And it was like important for me to recognize, like, I can't give if I'm not feeling at my best. So what do I need to do? And the first thing in my head was like, I need more water. I need more water and I'm going to bed because I can't be the best person that I can be for them if I'm not being the best person for myself. And I think that, again, translates into all areas of your life, right? Like, am I wanting to focus on my finances? Like some days it's easier to say, nope, I'm doing this, this, and this. I'm going to pay this bill. I'm going to put this into savings. But some days it's like, no, you know what? Forget all of it. I'm going to go on a shopping spree. So having, I think, a balance between the two drastic emotions. You got to live a little bit for sure. Yeah. There's, There's also times of life where you will be more strapped. They're more expensive times of life. When you have a young family, when you're buying a house, when you're buying a new washer dryer, when you're purchasing your first car, when you have student loan debt on top of all of that stuff. Like there's a, there's a time in life when you have to make, understand what good debt versus bad debt is and, and what are investments versus things that are depreciating things. And maybe, you know, as few of those as possible. And what makes sense? Because some people are so uncomfortable with having any debt that even taking on debt that we call good debt or cheap debt or however you want to, I don't know what the proper yeah. current financial term yeah. is. But good you know debt, what I mean. good debt, bad debt. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that's actually okay and you're building for the future and, and they're actually not doing things that will really help them financially because there's a preconceived idea they've come with from childhood or from family that you can't have any debt, but that's bad. And so being able to investigate that, like what's holding you back from doing the things that you dream for yourself on the best magic wand days you could possibly have and working 
through that with somebody that you trust is really an important exercise too, right? Because everyone deserves to have all the things that, that they dream of having if they can, right? I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that is a very, a very true statement and a very true outlook onto how you can approach your finances. And again, that understanding that there are certain times in your life where there are things that are going to be more expensive. There are things you know, your pay is not going to quite be where your debt load is. So having an understanding that 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 is OK. And that is time. just this period in time. Yeah. Exactly. And how do we how do we set yourself up for success so that you get through that period of time and still feel like you've gained and still able to exactly wave that wand and do what you want to do? Right. Because it's no fun working as hard as you do and not and being able to reward yourself. It. Yeah. And some people yeah. do that and are doing quite well for themselves, but because they can't see their savings, they just like, they're not looking at their investments. They're looking at just their day-to-day checking account. For example, when they open up their online banking, they're super stressed and, and being very strict with how they spend their money and influencing other people in their family with that behavior and judgment, frankly, that makes it very unpleasant. But 30,000 foot view, they're actually doing quite well overall. And so maybe something as simple as link all your accounts in an app that allows you to see everything all at once. So you're not freaking out every time you do your online banking, right? So you're reminded towards closer to pay period when the balance is dwindling. Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to be homeless because I've got all this other stuff that I just don't see all the time. Because Exactly. Their brain needs a visual reminder that we're going to be okay, you know, and and that there's times where you shift when when you don't have as much on you when your kids are older and they've got their own jobs and they're making money. And, yeah, you want to be able to help them out if you can with school and things like that. But but that it's it is okay to spend a little bit more on yourself because Mm -hmm. because we're not in that phase before when we were strapped because we we did Mm -hmm. we did okay, Right. You, a, you weathered that storm. There's a time and a place. Yeah. And then we, we shift out of that. There's a time to do that. I think that's what a lot of people need to hear. I need to need to feel like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, we can <laughs> breathe. We can exhale a little bit. You can right? breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And look at the bird's eye view. Yeah. That being said, these are, you know, tough times for a lot of people. A lot of people's livelihoods and incomes have been affected. And that whatever debt you're going into or incurring, that that we hope this is a moment in time it's not going to last forever and talking to you know bankers or financial planners like whatever the products are that people can take advantage of if they only knew they were there would hopefully bring relief and support yeah that's that's the whole point of this podcast is financial education and making sure like people know that there are appropriate channels and there's appropriate people that you can connect with and as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, even if you feel like you're in a hopeless situation, there mm-hmm. is still help out there for you. So last kind of point, Bell Let's Talk Day is coming up. And I know that's mm-hmm. always a very, a very talked about topic in the last couple of years, which I think has been great because I think it's really bringing mental health to the forefront. And I think we did touch on some tools that we can use to combat um, your mental health and your financial health. Is there any last, I guess, words of encouragement you might have for our listeners and making sure that they feel they are in the best foot forward in 2022, even though 
you know, we were all hoping it was going to be the best year yet. And it's yeah. not, it's not looking well, that way. I mean, specific but, to Bell, let's talk. I mean, thank you for asking me the question, because as someone who's been working in mental health for a long time, I have lots of big feelings about Bell Let's Talk. But, <laughs> you know, as a campaign that launches awareness about normalizing mental health, like if you're human, you're susceptible to having a mental health issue because life is hard sometimes, right? It just is what it is. There's nothing weird about that. Just normalizing it and raising awareness, they've done a bang up job. I don't think that we need that anymore. I think everyone gets it, mm-hmm. right? It's We're past true. that point. It's very true. So I don't know what the campaign theme is for this year, but I sure hope it's now what are we doing about it? And if there's any business owners in your audience or people that work for HR or people that are benefits managers, what people need is better access to mental health supports. So if you're giving your employees 300 bucks a year, like keep it. That, that's like nothing right and nothing has been more wonderful than talking to clients who have been able to come in and say oh my gosh our hr just told us we got bumped up to x amount of dollars for mental health i'm so excited we can finally get something done we can finally do the work that we want to do because now now it's covered right and so throughout the pandemic i'll tell you what i've noticed as a as a community private practitioner is benefits plans have been getting better and better and better across the board with larger organizations. So like teachers, the police, firefighters, you know, all sorts of different big organizations have been getting way better benefits. But a lot of smaller companies are still in this like weird, really small, or the companies are investing in like a quick fix EAP, talk to a social worker or a mental health clinician for three you get three sessions covered, and that's really meant to fix kind of like an acute problem. Like, uh, I'm really stressed about my mother-in-law coming over this weekend, and it's derailing me. That's not what people are suffering with right now, right? And so being able to advocate for yourself with your employer to get better benefits, if, if you can, if you feel comfortable doing that um, at this stage of the game, but, but not even putting your employees in that position if you are in a leadership position to proactively talk to people about their mental health at work, to proactively let people know it's okay to be human. You know, workplaces are like families. So if, if, if you grew up not talking about this stuff in your family, it's probably really hard to talk about it at work. And it doesn't mean that you need to go find out if your employees are feeling anxious or not. It's just like, hey, man, how you doing? I noticed you looked a little down. You doing okay? Like, it's, it's rough out there, man. I just want you to know... You're doing a great job. I really appreciate that 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 you're still physically here doing the best that you can. I know you have three little kids under eight at home. Holy jeez. I don't even know what that could be like, but please let me know what I can do to support you. Like just a compassionate, that's all it takes is a human-to-human conversation that to this day, Carla, you would not believe how many people's bosses have not done that with them. Blows my mind, right? That's free. That's free. It's free. It's free. free. It does nothing. And like, it goes back to that human connection, right? Like just, you know, sometimes you just need to hear like you're doing a good job. And I hear you and I see you and I feel, I feel your, your frustration, right? Like I, there's a lot of variables that will change in the next year or two years. I don't know, maybe we'll be in this pandemic for another 10 years. I don't know. Um, But there's a lot of things in life that have changed. So 
being able to have like an open conversation about how you're feeling and how transitions are going to go and how, you know, it will affect your life. There was a huge transition in 2020 and I think there's going to be another huge transition. So I think talking about the mental health aspect of it, I hope that the campaign is now what are we going to do about it? Because like you said, I think everybody is very comfortable, very open about talking about that you should talk about mental health. Um, but, you know, if there's no action, yeah. what, no what good is it going to do? And it's support for families, right? Yeah. You know, we're talking all about how teenagers and we're worried about the kids not being in school are so stressed and they're stressed. Their their parents are stressed. We have to support mm-hmm. families and, and do all the things that are socioeconomic to support people so that they feel productive and they can be happy and get out and connect in their communities and get back to life. Right. That stuff is so, so important to support when we get there. I don't think that the pandemic, obviously, I think is going to the end from the health point of view, but the mental health effects, the effects of the pandemic will last the next decade for sure. And so we have to be prepared to support each other, just be shoulder to shoulder in our communities and look the grocery clerk in the eye, pass the mask and say, you're doing a good job, man. Thanks for coming to work today. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. The little things. It's free. I love that. You know, and and it it could make all the difference in somebody's life, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Love that. Well, for everyone listening today, you're doing a good job on your finances. So don't beat yourself up. We're here to tell you that we are here to help. We believe in the power of financial literacy and how by having an understanding of your financial picture really does help to empower you to make better financial decisions and have a positive relationship going forward with money. Christina, thank you so much for this. I think it was very eye opening to me. I think it was very eye-opening to our audience. We touched on so many different things. I think we could, you know, go for hours talking about this topic. But we, I really do appreciate you coming on. And I really do hope that our listeners reach out to their mental health professional or seek you out or seek any of your partners out. Because I think it is like exactly what you said. We've talked about it. Now it's time to kind of take some actions. So we want you to recognize your worth and help you to enjoy life to its fullest and have the experiences that everyone has always wanted to do. We are here for you. We encourage you to get in touch with us at any time, whether it's with a question about our business or a comment on how we might be able to answer your burning financial questions. After all, at Tandia, your voice is the most important one. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you found value through today's podcast. We are on all social channels. So please snap a photo of this podcast, tag us and share us on your channels so we can help get the word out. You can always connect with us at Tandia.com. We will be sure to list all the ways you can get in touch with us as well as Christina and Dig a Little Deeper crew in our show notes. Catch you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know about you, but I feel smarter already. Remember, Tandia is here to help. If you found this podcast helpful, please let us know. Got feedback? Want to learn more? Just head to Tandia.com. Tandia, as unique as you.